Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. I told this to Jack White recently, and he liked it so much he had me record the joke in case he wanted to use it some way. So, do you know how to call a deaf duck? I don't. Hey, duck! I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you with everything you need to win your next dinner party. You just got a joke from the queen of rockabilly, Wanda Jackson. Yes. She's got a new album out called The Party Ain't Over. Kind of appropriate here at the beginning of our party. That's right. The Dinner Party Ain't Over. And coming up, musician Dan Behar, Drugapult, <laughs> Very Big in Japan, Riotous Websites, and Killing the Vibe. But first, time for Small Talk. Well, Rico, this week in the headlines, well, not to be immodest, us, we were in the headlines. How how is that? Well, as the theme for the State of the Union address, you know, that thing the president gave earlier, was, and I quote, win the future. Ah, yes. Reminds you a little bit of win the dinner party. It does, maybe a little. (laughs) I almost forgot. I'm a little surprised he didn't pair a cocktail with his history lesson on Sputnik. Good point. Right? Yeah. I think his lawyers probably advised him. So now that we know that we have his ear, uh, President Obama, a few suggestions. Cupcake tax, Mm. loan forgiveness for podcasters. I'll second that. Hard time for people who don't use turn signals. Absolutely. A third. And uh, replace the national anthem with more than a feeling by Boston. (laughs) Talk about... Getting yeah. the country optimistic. That's right. <laughs> and you'll have to make the school day 15 minutes longer to accommodate the new anthem. Yeah, but, but you know, kids will be so happy. Sometimes patriotism begets sacrifice. <laughs> uh, now, for suggestions about what to talk about at this weekend's dinner party, we turn to our colleagues at Marketplace. Jennifer Collins, reporter, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, Rico, you know, video stores have been closing for some time now. Of course. Well, there's this site called Clerk Dogs, and they've started this new service that allows you to talk to a video store clerk, a real live one, over chat. To, to get video recommendations? Like in the olden days, these guys need something to do, right? Ah. Will they treat me with sarcasm if I ask for a non-independent movie, like in the olden days? <laughs> yes. They'll also tell you to rewind. Avishai Artsy, assistant producer for Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Mexican drug smugglers have figured out a new way to get drugs across the border. Okay. Giant catapults. <laughs> really? How does that work? Authorities found this giant catapult on the back of an SUV. The smugglers were planning on hurling these giant bales of weed over the border. <laughs> this sounds like an inspired idea, and by inspired, I mean drug-inspired. <laughs> Yeah, or perhaps Looney Tunes inspired. I mean, they could have just been watching Wile E. Coyote cartoons. Rada Bead, senior producer of the Marketplace Morning Report. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? It's the story of a Norwegian boy walking home in the snow. Four wolves come upon him. But then Is this a fairy tale? <laughs> what happened was he had his cell phone. He was playing music, so he turned up the volume as loud as he could and scared off the four wolves with rock music. What, what was he playing? He was playing the band Creed. Initial reports were that it was Megadeth, but it turns out it was Creed. Interesting. That will actually also scare off people with musical taste. Exactly. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is an inflatable raft bobbing in a swimming pool of booze. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. That way you don't have to have booze in the glass at your side. Yeah, well, we always get an extra raft with ice for the booze. 
first to history, this week back in 1993, Hawaii's Chad Rowan became a sports legend. Which may come as a surprise to your dinner guests who might not even know who he is. Thanks to our friend Michelle Philippi, you're about to. Chad Rowan is big in Japan. Actually, he's always been big physically. Six foot, eight inches tall, he was a high school basketball star. But like many Hawaiians, he grew up watching sumo wrestling. And at age 18, he flew to Japan to become a Yokozuna, a sumo grand champion. He should have failed. See, in Japan, you don't become a champ just by winning. You also have to display dignity, a dignity some sumo judges thought could never be found in a foreigner. In any way, tall wrestlers were supposed to be pushovers. Literally, they were top heavy and easily tossed around. But Chad wasn't tossed around, maybe because he weighed around 500 pounds with long arms that let him do the tossing. Under the wrestling name Akebono, New Dawn, Chad became the first foreign Yokozuna in 2,000 years. Japanese audiences loved him. He even opened Japan's Winter Olympic ceremony. But after eight years and some knee injuries, he retired. Today, he freelances as a pro wrestler. Think of him as Japan's Andre the Giant. So that was the history. Now for the drink. I am speaking with Tim Rita. He's bartender at Lures Lounge in Honolulu, Hawaii. Tim, what cocktail does that inspire you to make? I made the Nalo Smash. Nalo is short for Waimanalo, where Akebono is from. So I did a mix of Hawaiian flavors and Japanese flavors. All right. So what's in this thing? Fresh shiso leaves. Shiso um, leaves? Like you have on sushi? Exactly. Kind of minty, a little bit grainy, and then I uh, use uh, fresh mint grown here in Hawaii. All right. I muddled that with some organic honey, and I made a coconut puree with coconuts from Waimanalo. Oh, man. And then I added some Suntory Yamazaki, which is from Japan, very similar to a single malt scotch. So lots of just everyday household <laughs> liquors. Not so bad. <laughs> Shake that up, strain it over ice some nutmeg over, and I garnish it with a single shiso leaf right across the top. It's like a big stamp, a big smash. Like a sumo wrestler stomping foot or something. It sounds delicious. Uh, I got to ask, after Akibono, another Hawaiian became a grand champion. Is that right? Yeah, that was uh, Musashimaru. What is it about Hawaii that leads to such amazing sumo wrestlers? I don't know. People love wrestling. When I grew up, it was always wrestling, sumo, and football. A lot of eating. Good combination. So, Rico, it never occurred to me till hearing that, that pro wrestling is not that different from sumo wrestling. You know, it's like this long tradition of large men ritualistically slamming themselves into each other. Right. It's an ancient art. Minus the, the dignity part. <laughs> That's you right. Yeah. Subtract that. It's hard to smash a chair over someone with dignity. I guess unless it's like an Eames chair or something like That's that. Right. A Chippendale. That's stylish. Ladies and gentlemen, body slam us with email via our website, dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is musician and wordsmith Dan Behar. He is the heart and mind behind the band Destroyer. He also writes songs for indie bands The New Pornographers and Swan Lake. He's got a new album out called Kaput. Here's a clip from the title track. Like a dream. 
There's an undeniable 80s vibe to this album, and I think uh, you described it as Quiet Storm, which is that adult contemporary radio format, you know, kind of like elevator music. What made you gravitate towards that sound? It's funny because Nick, who plays lead guitar on the record, when, the re- when he finally heard the final mixes, he asked me if I'd ever heard the term Quiet Storm before, and I hadn't. <laughs> and then I actually, had to, I think I had to Wikipedia it, and when I read it, it was just, I was struck by how it pretty much summed up <laughs> in a lot of ways what we were doing. In a lot of ways, not, but... And that wasn't what you were going for. I did not have that in my head whatsoever. I was into ambient music, and I was into jazz music, and I was into trying to use those influences. And so those things all just kind of added up. You know, your music sits somewhere between, especially this album, between like music, poetry, and for lack of a better term, like sound art. What is the advantage of using music, and specifically the format of rock, as a vehicle for your creativity? The easy answer would be that, you know, since I was a teenager, I just really loved rock music. Mm -hmm. But in the last couple of years, I've wondered if... I could just take what I do and apply it to other forms or mediums. I'm probably completely deluded. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, if you were a writer, you could get a job teaching. But as a a musician, you actually have to kind of hit the circuit. I'm screwed. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, we have two standard questions on our show. Um, And the first question is, what question are you tired of being asked in interviews? For about 10 years... The question about asking, like, concerning the name Destroyer mm. seemed to be a raging favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and is that, but is that confusion with the Kiss album, or is that just because the name is so kind of macho and your music maybe? Is People it- will ask about Kiss, they'll ask about, like, the metal nature of the name, just what I intended when I decided 15 years ago or <laughs> 16 years ago or whatever it was to scrawl the word destroyer on an edition of 10 cassette tapes that I made. So we have another question on our show, which is tell us something we don't know, either about you or the world in general. It's so presumptuous of me to think that I know anything anyone else doesn't know. But come on, your songs are rich with references to geography, art, literature. Uh, this shouldn't be too hard for you. I feel like that my songs are just um, utter navel gazing, <laughs> just like looking inward. And there's <laughs> yeah, but you put a lot of interesting stuff in your navel. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, you use the word purlu. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Oh, purlu. Yeah, right. You're you're like the first person to use that word in a song since like the 16th century. If you give us the definition <laughs> of that, I bet that'll be something most people don't know. I think it means kind of the surrounding area or the general environment around you. Do you remember how that word appeared in your imagination? The line, this mystic prince of the purlieu at night. I think in my imagination, I was picturing a kind of druid hippie king wandering through the forest who just happens to be like a professional college rocker. Hey, Mr. Prince of the purlieu at night, I heard your record, it's all right. So Rico, I have a confession to make. Yeah. I've never heard elevator music in an elevator. I just use that expression. I like I associate that music with, you know, the perfume section at Macy's or or an unflappable cab driver soundtrack. Are you spending a lot of time in the in the perfume section at Macy's? Don't judge. All right. Uh, folks, you can pass judgment on Brendan <laughs> or on me for asking you to do so. At our Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash dinner party download. To set the loop and then go wild. 
So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. So Brendan, there is a new bad guy in the food world. Other than the Hamburglar? Yes, in addition to, to the Hamburglar. Because <laughs> he was bad. I'm, I'm talking about restaurant websites. Oh, yeah, a.k.a. Showtime. Right, you go to a, a restaurant site to check out the menu or maybe to find a phone number so you can make a reservation. But for some reason, that information has to be buried in a riot of flash animations and photo slideshows. And don't forget, like, the techno lounge music oh, yes. that announces to everyone that you're not working, right. you're, you're making reservations. God forbid you <laughs> see the menu before the techno music has loaded. Well, lately, food lovers have been letting their exasperation show by mocking these sites on various blogs. One of my favorite examples being a piece by Mike Locker. He is a web designer and a consultant, and when I spoke to him the other day, I asked him to start by reading an excerpt from this humor piece he wrote for McSweeney's titled, If This Fusion Restaurant Website Could Talk. Watch this full-screen video! Did you know we were founded in 2004 with the mission of bringing cutting-edge cuisine with a hip flair to Brooklyn? Dance music! Look at this picture of the owner's child! Look! You can find our menu later! Uh, fine. You can minimize the video by clicking the yellow play button! <laughs> uh, I just love that. Can I ask, was there a restaurant that triggered this bit of prose? Any one restaurant site? Um, I don't think it's a single one. I think it's just the fact that almost everyone that I visited was always a nightmare to navigate. It's sort of as soon as you open the page and you see like a single green sage leaf with a loading icon, you're about to enter into a real nightmare. You're a designer. Put yourself in the heads of the people who build these sites. What the hell are they thinking? I think I think they're thinking that they're going to create like a real memorable experience, create a beautiful atmosphere. And the only way to create a beautiful atmosphere is with a wholly unusable interface that can't be viewed on a cell phone. I think that's maybe the train of thought. Uh, yeah, now, uh, the, the implication there is that they could create, you know, a memorable experience without doing that. What would you do differently? I think the, the goal is that you want someone to remember your restaurant, not your website. If someone visits your restaurant's website, it's because they want to go to your restaurant. Yes. And the way that you sell them is with your menu. I think you just don't want to like put barriers between them and eating at your restaurant. All right, you wrote this piece. There's also now this blog, Things Not Said About Restaurant Websites, which is equally genius. Why are these restaurant websites suddenly the object of such derision? I mean, it's not like they just appeared recently. I would imagine it has a lot to do sort of with like Yelp and the way that people find restaurants now. I think a restaurant website used to be sort of an afterthought, mm. but the way people find a restaurant now is you search online and then, you know, you try to find its menu. The website has gone from being a vestigial part of the business to essentially the, the front door, but it seems mm. like restaurants are only now sort of like figuring out that they have a really embarrassing front door. Interesting. I mean, certainly to their credit, I mean, they have plenty of things to worry about, you know, running a <laughs> restaurant, but... Uh, but given that, actually, this is one of the things that surprises me. It's like these... Websites, they may be annoying, but they are not thrown up quickly. Why put so much time into this when it's hard enough just getting your fish delivered on Sundays? Well, I think you can tell, you know, these are more the occasions where it's like someone has a nephew who's really getting into Flash. And like, wouldn't this be a great exercise? Someone's nephew certainly spent a lot of time. I don't begrudge them. Like, I used to be someone's nephew making a web page. Sure. But uh, we shouldn't sort of be forced to wade through someone's learning exercise to get to a restaurant. So Rico's a smart guy, but I, yes. I think the reason food bloggers complain about these sites is just because they constantly are going to them all day, whereas most people aren't. You're saying maybe this isn't America's top <laughs> priority? 
making restaurant websites better. I'm just saying that maybe, you know, some other things like finding a job, you know, not getting killed in Afghanistan. Right, that's that's true. And outrageous corkage fees. Okay, yeah, you got me there. And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Thanks this time to Jackson Musker, Ravi Carmen, Peter Clowney, and Ellen Gettler. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner parties. The band is called DuckTales, and it's the guy from the band Real Estate for those keeping score at home. And the song is called Killing the Vibe. Which, oddly, it doesn't. Bon appétit.
I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Thanks for listening to the Dinner Party Download. Change you can believe in.